Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Today's episode of Channel 33 is brought to you by SeatGeek, the presenting sponsor for my podcast, as well as the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. With just two taps on your phone, you can instantly buy SeatGeek tickets to an event, and you can enter that event just using your phone. No paper tickets. Drop your old ticket app. Use one that's built for 2016. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Soccer Pod. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com, and I am also joined by an editor at TheRinger.com with Ryan in his name. <laughs> it's Ryan O'Hanlon. How's it going, Chris? What's up, man? It's been a while. We had to let the Thanksgiving... Had to practice our pronunciations. Yeah, they're going to be impeccable. <laughs> um, we're getting into the, uh, the, the... All the fixtures are coming hot and heavy in the Premier League. You start to get into Christmas. People are playing nine games in four days. Mm-hmm. Guys are just, like, rolling around out there in the frozen Stoke night. <laughs> and it gets really... It gets... There's a, there can be a lot of, like... Uh, movement in the, in the table. Yeah, it's sort of where the like the league becomes a completely it different thing for, for like a month. Yeah, and you know, like the, all the group matches for a lot of the European competitions as they're coming to an end. We had mm-hmm. uh, Champions League recording this on a Wednesday uh, at the end of a really nice, a really good Champions League day. Like the, yeah. uh, the, the Dortmund-Madrid game was awesome. And uh, if, even if, if you don't like goals, but you do like good football, I recommend people check out the Lyon... Um, Sevilla game. It was really fun. But uh, we're here to talk more about the Premier League. Now, obviously, there's like really major storylines going on in the Premier League that have nothing to do with football. One is this soccer leaks thing, which is coming out of this Belgian newspaper called Le Soir, right? And it's part of it. Part of it is. And it's basically what it sounds like. It's like this terabytes of information about deals, contracts, financial arrangements between players. There's a lot of rumors out there. The Guardian has some good stuff today about Jose Mourinho, Jose Mourinho and Cristiano Ronaldo's tax havens, mm-hmm. uh, alleged tax havens. Now, obviously, on the other hand, there's uh, been a lot of talk and there's a lot of really, um, really devastating stories about the sexual abuse, child sexual abuse scandal that's rocking British football. So it's kind of like this cloud hanging over the game right now. Yeah. We're not going to get too deep into that stuff. We're just going to talk more about the actual football, but thought it'd be worth mentioning that that is definitely sort of hovering over uh, this stuff. Um, today we're going to go through the Premier League table, and we're going to start, we're going to kind of break it up into categories, so the first thing we're going to do is do uh, title contenders. And let me ask you this to start with. How many teams can win the title now? I think that answer has only changed. My opinion on that answer has only changed if I now answer one, which I wouldn't say. Right. So I think the answer is still three. Okay. Um, and it's still Chelsea City Liverpool? Yes. Or Chelsea City Arsenal? Not Arsenal. Okay. I think Arsenal's, um, their, come the end of the season, their main competition is going to be for fourth place. Hmm. Um, but I, you could make the case, I think, that um, it's Chelsea's league to lose. I yeah, mean, you sent is. me a message the other day that was just like, Chelsea, it was a list of Chelsea's next five games through yeah. this like very chaotic Christmas season. And next, you're like, this next, could be over in New Year's. Yeah, well, so now they're, you know, they're three points ahead of Arsenal, um, four points ahead of City and Liverpool, 
um, played City and Liverpool already. The next four games are West Brom, Sunderland, Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, and Stoke. So that should be another 15 points. Yeah, so, you know, if you... Everything you just said about how hard the Christmas period gets, it's a lot easier when you're just not playing any good teams. Yes. Um, plus, Man City still has to play Liverpool and Arsenal. City is also going to be without Aguero and Fernandinho for, for a few th- games, yeah. three or four of the next games. And I think you can make the argument those are the two most important players on that team. So let's talk a little bit about that City-Chelsea game from the weekend. I know it's a little bit of ancient history at this point, but I thought it was pretty instructive. Um, we imagined this incredibly tight group of teams, six teams maybe, competing for the league. And mm-hmm. it was going to be, and it is, it has been like an awesome season. There's been great games. There's been a lot of really good football played. Like some of the players that are emerging, or it's just been really aw- mm-hmm. great to watch. I think we're seeing like the first great Alexis Sanchez season yep. and stuff like that. But um, when I watched Chelsea versus City, I was struck by how even though they were down one nothing for a while and even though the the goals that they got were somewhat against the run of play mm-hmm. i just feel like chelsea's way more talented and i feel like we didn't like the talent disparity between chelsea and other teams was a little bit is starting to become a little bit glaring if chelsea is playing their best 11 and they are playing in this like complete Voltron 3-4-3 that yeah. Conte has them playing now, which they haven't lost since they played that. In the form table, they have won 8 out of their last 10. They've won 6 out of their last 6. They um, are the second best defense in the league. They have a, a plus 21 goal differential. And you can just see, basically, as Costa goes, this team will go. And if Costa is the best striker in Europe, Chelsea's going to win this league by a healthy margin. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I might push back on the idea of them being the most talented team. I think they're currently... So where do you think that they have issues? Just look at the the City-Chelsea game. Like, Matic is out, and who comes in for him? It's Fabregas, yeah. who's, you know... If there's sort of a player that's best suited to break down City's pressing style and, like, play long balls that make... City's defenders who aren't really good at defending actually defend, it's him. That was uh, pretty suicidal defending by City. Yeah. There was a couple of those plays where it was just like car to crab tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just yeah. like from right outside of his box, he was just like throwing fade routes to Costa. And If you get into a one-on-one with Diego Costa and give him 25 yards of room to run, like you might as well take your glove, take your gloves off, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like I think the story, like the game was like the chances for each team were sort of split up into each half, I think. Chelsea had that one great chance in the first half where uh, Hazard rounded um, Claudio Bravo and then just didn't shoot yeah. for some reason. But other than that, City had like the balance of chances for sure. De Bruyne missed the wide-open net where he somehow hit it into the crossbar. And I think a lot of that came from Fabregas' presence instead of Matic. It just opens up Chelsea's defense mm-hmm. in a way that it really hasn't been open since they started playing. Um, the three in the back, but if you don't sort of punish them for that early on, Fabregas is eventually going to get on the ball and just flip it over your defenders, yeah. and Costa or Willian or Hazard's going to run onto it, and you're you're fucked, basically, when that starts happening. City in fourth place, four points behind Chelsea, um, plus 15 goal differential. Uh, not having a great run of form right now. They won two out of their last three, but they lost the, you know, it, it's it's a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. And I think that what people are really noticing is just 
this is a team that started really strong that people thought like, well, well this 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 is like the runaway favorites. Mm-hmm. And I I personally do see a correlation between the talk that was coming out of City that Guardiola was going to want to pretty much turn over the entire squad next season. Mm-hmm. Um, with them not playing up to their potential. Yeah. Uh, do you see any... What, what do you see as their major problem right now? If there is one. I think the major problem, like, weirdly enough, is that, you know, Fernandinho's great. I think we sort of... We're now in a cycle where he has one amazing season, then we forget that he's good, then we realize how yeah, amazing right. he is. Um, and Gundogan's great, but he's essentially, like, made of licorice. So, like... <laughs> That's who they're relying on in center midfield. Yeah. And if they started Sane and Navas on the wings. Yeah, seeing like Navas is way more present than I was expecting him to be. Um and Fernando plays a lot, which mm-hmm. I think he's just awful. I don't know if he should be starting for any team in the Premier League, let alone <laughs> Man City. So I think they are I think we because they had the stretch where they were basically playing Silva and De Bruyne as center mids. That sort of papered over a lot of the you know depth issues in yeah. center midfield, but as the schedule has gotten a little harder, I don't know if you can play that kind of midfield against a team like Chelsea. Um, I feel like you know cities, you know, we'll get into analytics. Their expected goals, like goal differential, is best in the league. So I think they've maybe been a little unfortunate, as we saw with De Bruyne again, like. Hitting the crossbar, it was harder to hit the crossbar than score in that situation. Um, So I think they've been a little unlucky, but it's sort of seeing them um, in contrast to Chelsea. It's like Pep is still sort of figuring out what's the best sort of presentation of his players. Conte figured it out, and they yeah, and I, I think the the story of the season so far is that since Conte switched to a back three, Chelsea's the best team in the league. And also, this is not analytical at all, <laughs> but Chelsea just looks like title winners. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just years. This was a real Ferguson Man U thing. This yeah. is a real Manchester United. I know people don't like Man U. And a real Jose Mourinho classic Chelsea thing. Where you would just sort of watch them and you'd be like, they have this completely under control. They they had it completely. They just it just felt like they were going to beat City at the Etihad. Like even though they exactly. were down one nothing, it's just like they got this. Yeah, it's like they win a game that they're not even dominating, but it just feels inevitable that yeah. they're going to win. And, and the that, other, that wasn't Stoke. They just beat three. Yeah, one, exactly. You know? like, it was <laughs> that's that was their the hardest game they're going to play all season yeah. at City. And they've also, I think we kind of had talked about in the past, they hadn't really had to come back from a deficit and right. play differently, but they completely you know, disproved that. So another team that is in the title hunt, but where Chelsea looks very cool, calm, and collected, this team resembles throwing a table saw <laughs> and then trying to catch it, yeah. is Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And I uh, refuse to watch the highlights from the Bournemouth game. But... This Liverpool team is in a very similar situation to Chelsea in that they don't have European commitments. They can kind of concentrate on the league and, and have fun in the domestic cups. And they're gonna they're dealing with what Klopp teams will always deal with, which is injuries starting to pile up yeah. for them. Um, do you think Liverpool can sustain through the Coutinho in, in, injury, and do they need to reinforce in January? Um, on the I think if more people were healthy if Sturridge was healthy um, the Coutinho injury would be a lot easier to deal with I am it's pretty obvious that Sturridge isn't a first 11 player for Klopp now but 
he's pretty much the best backup striker in the entire world mm-hmm. at this point. Um, so having to plug him in is not a bad thing, but he's not around either. And Origi, you know, he's scoring and he's not he's not bad, but he's still, if you want to win the Premier League, you don't really want to have to rely on him as much as it seems sure. like they're going to have to. Um, but I think the thing with Liverpool is that they're similar to Chelsea, but Liverpool's style is like score a shitload and give up a bucket load of goals. Right. A shitload is more than a bucket load. I, I, for, I know that that from, um, from my study of the periodic table, yeah. I'm aware of that. Um, and Chelsea, you know, they just don't give up goals. Yeah, right. um, and Costa is pretty much on a hot streak, just scoring everything. Um, so it's sort of like if you had to pick one of those two styles to trust, you'd pick Chelsea. If you had to pick one to like fall in love with, you'd pick Liverpool. Sure. Um, let's move on to North London because those are there's there's a group of teams that there's those three Arsenal now Arsenal fans are probably pissing themselves right now because they're looking at this and they're like we're three points off the top um, we have won our last two we look good in Europe right now uh, with Lucas scoring a hat trick against Basel and uh, Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil are arguably having career years why shouldn't Arsenal believe that they are also in the title race. I think that it's because um, I think they're just really just running hot and getting lucky in an unsustainable way at this point. Um, it's interesting. I think the way to sort of frame it is that our, a lot of Arsenal fans would tell you that Bellerin is, was one of the most important players on the team. Yeah. And then Kazorla was, I think, like true Arsenal heads. A lot of our Arsenal fans in the office, yeah. when, he got, when he was ruled out with his classic Arsenal, it's just a knock, he'll be back in three yeah. days, and like now six he's months. Out. Yeah. <laughs> but despite them both being out, they're still winning, so is that like... like what's the deal? Is Arsenal's medical department, do they have like a, a guy with walleye who's just like, oh, I, re- I read the scan <laughs> wrong. It's actually completely torn off the boat. It, it seems to happen all the yeah. time. I have no idea. But it's like, that. those guys were clearly two important players, but they've basically been better without either of them which you could say okay we don't know how to assess players or they've just had a lot of things go their way so far Um, I think sort of case in point is the Man U game where they really didn't do anything the entire game Man U seemed to have it under control and they got a huge chance at the end and equalized Um, how do you feel about Wenger the rumors that Wenger is, is just fine with the squad as is and is not looking to improve in January I it's the least surprising thing I've ever seen. I actually ever don't heard. really know what they need to buy. I mean, I think they still they need someone to do what Kazorla did, which is like get the ball from the defense and progress Does it up he the think field. Jacques is going to do that. Uh, he might, but I don't think he's really you know shown the ability to do it just yet. He has shown the ability to to, to kick dudes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and like hit the ball over the net from forty yards out. Arsenal have a pretty tough uh, end of the se- well. They, they have Everton and, and Man City in the next couple of weeks, and then go to uh, have what they host West Brom on Boxing Day. So I think that they'll still be where they are now at the end of this yeah. run. But I I one thing that's been sort of bubbling up with Arsenal, and this is going to come up. I think a lot as the money continues to be really stupid, but mm-hmm. there's also uh, outside economic factors affecting professional sports in Europe, like Brexit and like a lot of the other. You know, Italy is going through its own sense of upe- upheaval. France, mm-hmm. um, there's been rumors that Ozil and Sanchez, upon seeing what Pogba is being paid at Manchester United, and somewhat rightly thinking we're on that level, 
want to be paid in the 250,000 euro or pound a week mm-hmm. uh, range that yeah. Pogba's getting paid. Um, that would shatter Arsenal's much coveted um, wage structure that they, they've always stuck to. And mm-hmm. um, I was kind of thinking about Matt Law from the Daily Ta- Telegraph tweeted this out. If you have to, if you can't keep them both of Ozil and Sanchez, who do you get rid of? Get rid of Ozil, bring back Wilshire. Wilshire is better than Ozil. Are you being completely serious with me <laughs> no, right now? No, absolutely. Because I think you get rid of Sanchez. Yeah, I'd get rid of Sanchez. Uh, I love Sanchez, but Sanchez is also another guy where it's like when he loses a step, his career is going to be over. Yeah, exactly. And it's the thing with Sanchez, it's like the dude is in amazing shape, but he also feels like he's on the verge of like snapping a hamstring at all times. Well, at least he's he got a manager in a medical department that's really good at managing things like hamstring injuries. The, the way that they manage a hamstring injury is saying, this isn't an injury. And then they <laughs> realize it is. Chile. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Ozil just like, it's harder to replace a guy. I mean, Arsenal has, you know, much worse versions, versions of Ozil that they can plug in, but it's just so hard to replace a guy that can sort of link link the play for a team that doesn't as we've talked about they don't have this like sort of system that can you can plug someone into and get by with he sort of knits it all together um his like assist numbers are down a lot this year but his goals are up though right yeah he got he's got eight already yeah um so he's making up for it in that regard and sanchez to go back to expected goals he's like outperforming what you would expect from um, the from, shots he's taken basically yeah. by double. Yeah. Um, that might be, be, it literally might be because he's now playing up top and yeah. like teams just don't know how to handle it or more right. likely this is it's like they're probably, throwing like three bird camps at teams yeah. right now. Um, not, but I, not in terms of skill, but in terms of style of like off striker strikers. Yeah. Um, but I, I think he, he's just easier to replace than Ozil. Okay. So uh, let's talk about their neighbors really quickly just to satisfy the Kevin Clark contingent. And <laughs> uh, this, the, this five, this group of five, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, mm-hmm. Man City, Tottenham, I think that that will be the five at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we should give a little bit of time for Tottenham, who a lot of people were very excited about coming into this season. And they still have the best defense in the league mm-hmm. in terms of goals allowed, yeah. but have really struggled to find goals, I think, and stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've lost Kane for a while. Um, Dembele's been in and out. And yeah, Ali's been in out, and now they are in Europa League, which is a blessing and a curse because clearly Champions League wasn't working out for Mm -hmm. them. Do you think we're going to see a strong second half of the season from Tottenham, or is this who they are? I I think they'll improve a little bit. Um, So it's been Kane, Ali, Lamella, Mm -hmm. Aldevierald, who's going to be leaving soon because we found out in the football league. They're apparently overwriting that contract, yeah. But Alderweireld had like a 28 million euro straight buyout. Uh, Like somebody could just trigger it and buy him. Yeah, our our friend uh, Mike Goodman, who we used to work with, said that uh, the release clause won't matter um, when Daniel Levy like mind tricks out of your album to sign a new contract, which he'll probably sign him to a lower contract than he's at right now. Yeah. Um, that's that's just a lot of key players to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember, you know, when they beat City, what was it, a month and a half ago, two months ago, we thought like, okay, this team is just going to like set the Premier League on fire and win. Um, so I think they'll, you know, finish out the 
league as like a competitor for fourth place with Arsenal. Their expected goals are like around the same as Arsenal. Um, but I think the thing with them is like with all these injuries, you spend over thirty million on Musa Sissoko and. He's just not. He doesn't bring anything to and the team. Pochettino obviously agrees with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's just like, that's pretty much the story almost. Well, I this is like. what I'm talking about with the talent disparity. I think Tottenham's awesome. Yeah. But like, I just, at almost every position, Chelsea is better. Mm-hmm. And better by the 27 to 34 points that they are better than. Well, yeah. It's like, Matic goes down, Fabregas comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamella goes down. Musa Sissoko comes in. You yeah. know, like Chelsea has Willian, Oscar. Pedro, Oscar. Yeah. To, to say nothing in. of like the 164 great young players that are currently like at Middlesbrough or yeah. whatever. Um, let's keep moving. Tottenham, so you think they're going to be fifth. Now, what we wanted to do was do title contenders, which you think is Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City. Mm-hmm. Then there's the Champions League contenders, which uh, are the five that are already there, and you don't yeah. think there's going to be a lot of variance. I want to talk to you a little bit about something that I think really needs to be a phenomenon, and I know one mm-hmm. manager named Josie Mourinho who would probably agree with me at this point as he freezes his ass off in Odessa right now, <laughs> saying that it's going to take a miracle for my Manchester United to play tomorrow in the Europa <laughs> League, is if you're not in the top four, tank out of Europa. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that what I don't understand is why he didn't... I, I understand that Manchester United can't afford to be seen to be, like, tanking out of a competition, mm-hmm. granted. But they're in second in their Europa League group, of which there are 37 groups um, <laughs> behind Fenerbahce. Uh, but it's they're having a real tough time with the Thursday to Sunday mm-hmm. games. Um, they looked like shit against Everton. I don't get the lineup, even if... I mean, even taking the relative health of various people out, but I don't think that... Rojo and Jones in central defense, and I got who's the other player? I was just like, what is happening here? Um, it was just like the look of their midfield mm-hmm. was really strange too, with Herrera and Mkhitaryan. Um, what do you, do you think that Manchester United should almost call this a rebuilding year, even though they have Pogba and Zlatan on the books? So I have an alternate theory. Okay, you just straight up just focus on the Europa League the rest of the year. I think Manu has that's awesome. Yeah, you that that's what you care about. Um I think they've it's been funny seeing Mourinho talk a lot about how unlucky Manu has been this year and yeah. I think he's right. But like that's essentially the exact opposite of what he's made his career on. Um right. you know, dismissing luck and just getting results in whatever way um possible. So it's, you know, I don't really feel bad for him, but he's kind of correct. So they're nine points back of fourth, which is like, considering how good those teams are, it's it's going to take a like great run of, of you know. And like they're not winning straight games. Wins. I mean, right now in the form table, they are tenth mm-hmm. in the last sixth, and they are eleventh in the last ten. Exactly. I, I think there's reason to think that they'll start seeing some things go yeah, their way. To be fair, they have like a slightly nicer December right here. Let's take a look at their schedule. It is. Um, they have they're gonna probably lose at home to Tottenham, or they have Tottenham on Sunday, but then they get Palace, West Brom, and Sunderland. Although West Brom is no easy yeah. thing, but like, look, we are now at a place where no Manchester United fixture is a easy win for them. Yeah, and I, there's one the Tottenham game, you know, conceivably is a humongous game for them. But if they follow the Europa League only strategy, it maybe doesn't matter as much. I think what 
I'm being sort of facetious, but I actually think like they might have a better chance of winning the Europa League. You to win get the into Europa the League, you League. get into Champions it's League. It's sort of like the calculus that Liverpool made last year, where they ended up not really that far out of fourth place. Right. Um, but they sort of fucked up a bunch of winnable games at the end because they were focused on the Europa League. Right. And it didn't work and out. Went, yeah, right. But they were literally within a half of being in the Champions League. And Manu, you know, there's they've been like a decent team so far. Like they're not they're good enough to win the Europa League, I would say, especially sure. with the players they have. So like putting all your eggs in that basket um is sort of a way of I think it's just a realistic way of looking at your place in the table. Like you you could be there's a chance Man U has the best finish to a, the season of any team in the league and they still finish in 6th. I lo- I love this idea. All right. Let's take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back to talk about the rest of the league. Hey, everybody. The Ringer Podcast Network is now playing on TuneIn. And while you can listen to every episode on the TuneIn app for free, TuneIn is giving listeners 20% off its premium subscription for limited time. You can catch the home calls of your favorite sports team at home or on the road. That's every play, every team, every game. You love sports. You'll love TuneIn Premium. Plus, with TuneIn Premium, not only will you get to hear your favorite sports teams live, you'll also get great commercial-free music from around the world and unlimited access to every audiobook in the library, live or on demand. So go to TuneIn.com forward slash The Ringer to get TuneIn Premium at 20% off. Download the TuneIn app and subscribe today. Okay, Ryan, now we got Manchester United and your plan where their Europa plan, Mm -hmm. where they just go right after the Europa Europa League and forget about trying to catch uh, City at fourth. Let's talk a little bit about some of these teams. Some are surprises. Some are exactly where we thought they were going to be. And, you know, I think when you get below 20 points here Mm -hmm. in the table, you're starting to talk about teams that are susceptible to relegation. So I don't think Watford is safe at all Mm -hmm. in 11th. You know, I think Southampton is quite good. And they just I just cannot imagine them getting pulled down. But more or less, with the exception of Everton, Stoke, West Brom and Southampton, I think anybody else here with some bad injuries, with some bad luck. Yeah could get dragged into a relegation fight. Right now, um, against all odds, uh, you know, Tony Pulis has West Brom in seventh place. Have you seen much of them this season? It's the same thing they always are, except they have, like, Nasser Chadley, who has, like, a little bit of foot skills, um, which sort of can make it um, palatable. Uh, very rarely. I mean, they're they're in seventh, and they have a negative goal differential, which is kind of insane. Um, <laughs> but I think, like you said, they're nine they're nine points clear. So it's like oh, it's almost like Pulis is already this. He's already su- achieved success. He's just looking for for land to buy for his son. Exactly. Um, he's got like a f- half a year to do it now. Yeah. Um, I would love to see them in the Europa League. That would be incredible. Do you think that he would playing embrace, against like Napoli? Or I mean, something? like I just feel like this guy was born to. I think that he would go to Odessa on a Thursday night and just be like, "The problem is, what will happen is people will get into Europa League, use it as a reason why West Brom needs to invest seventy five mm-hmm. million and pounds on his team, and then resi- resign in the first week the, between the first two legs, right? Exactly, and probably take over West Ham. Yeah, um, Everton, right around where we thought they were going to be, the Blasey, uh, uh, the Blasey injury is going to be mm-hmm. tough for them um stoke city here's how you this is how you be this is how to be a mid middle class team in the yeah. premier league stoke city doesn't not, does nothing but kick the asses of the people beneath them mm-hmm. two nothing over sunderland two nothing over hall three one over swansea city drew with west ham lost to bournemouth 
beat Watford. Mm-hmm. You know, you take that Bournemouth one out of there. Just like you just got to beat who's beneath you. Yeah, and you're you're safe mm-hmm. now. I think for Stoke. They probably have ambitions, right? They have a little bit of money behind them with the Bet365 money. Yep. They have all these weird European starlets who are trying to restart their career <laughs> yeah. at Stoke. Is Yanazai on Stoke? Like He like, should be. He should be, right? He's on Sunderland. There's a, who's the, the, the new Spanish kid that they have? Uh, Muniesa. Yeah. Yeah. He scored the other day against, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, yeah, he's against Burnley. He's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean... Stoke is another team where I'm sure that Europa League football makes sense for their like bottom line, but I think could be really detrimental to them next season mm-hmm. if they don't massively improve the squad. Yeah, that's Stoke is like there are you know however many ten teams better than them probably like right. talent wise, but if you beat all the teams under you, you're fine. I just can't. Sometimes like I I will I think I wrote this once like a year and a half ago, just about like oh Stoke is like. You, you should be watching Stokes. Stokes really fun. It would be fun to see them with like a, um, like some crazy manager. Well, this is the thing: is that every time I say that, I'll look at the actual Stoke lineup, and it's still Charlie Adam and John Walters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I just can't deal with it. Let me ask you this: of this group of teams here between Bournemouth, Watford, Southampton, Middlesbrough, who has nothing? Which of those teams has nothing to worry about? Southampton. Okay, definitely. Which has teams has the most to worry about? Uh. I'd say Middlesbrough, for sure. Okay. Um, I think Southampton is like, I would bet on them finishing seventh. Like, they're, yes. They have one of the best defenses. I also would not be surprised if Southampton beat Chelsea. I would not be like, Like Southampton beating anyone essentially wouldn't surprise me. I think they'll they'll slowly make their way up the table. I don't really, the Crystal Palace game this weekend was weird. Southampton is rumored to lose Jose Font in January. They Mm -hmm. are repeatedly rated by bigger clubs for talent. Like, that's It'll be interesting to see if we'll, like, ever. Maybe Jose Fon is the one that holds Southampton together. You know, yeah, like, like which every is the, year. Who's the guy who they like? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, even though Mane is amazing, what's up with Schneiderland? Does he even play? That's. I mean, that's a whole another discussion. I, I feel like uh, Mourinho has recently recently welcomed uh, Schweinsteiger back from the youth team. Yeah, I feel right. like Schweinsteiger is going to start playing over Schneiderland. I, I don't. Maybe he's just not good. I don't. I don't get it. That's so weird. I just it's, don't it's very get it. Strange. Um, I think Watford probably needs to watch their backs a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, the second time around is always tough for teams that are thin that are playing like a three at the back kind of style like this. Mm-hmm. Um, Burnley is in trouble. Crystal Palace has been like just odious. Uh, the one team that's really interesting here, and this is in the second batch of teams, is that. There is a very good possibility that one of these teams, Crystal Palace, Leicester City, or West Ham, would go down. Mm-hmm. Um, that is crazy. Yeah. You know, I, I, the only thing that's saving them is the fact that Swansea City has gone in a complete and total nosedive. One of the worst yeah. teams in the league. In the league. Yeah. Um, when you talk about Southampton and be like, one of these days somebody's going to buy someone that undoes the entire thing, mm-hmm. that certainly seems to have happened to Leicester with Conte, and it certainly seems to have happened with Swansea with just one one manager change too many. Yeah, uh, I think I think Leicester will probably be fine. Um, their run to the Champions League final might uh, <laughs> cause some more issues. If that team went from relegation to Premier League champions to Champion League champions to relegated, mm-hmm. I think that they should just end the club because that would just be... The, every emotion that you can experience as a sports fan would happen within 12 months. I totally agree. <laughs> um, the 
we've talked about this uh, in the office. The f- the fun story with Lester, I, they're going to be fine. I think their like underlying numbers are actually pretty pretty decent. Like Mares and Vardy never pass to each other. They're, they've completed like twenty passes to each other the entire season. Were they particularly friendly passing wise last season? That's a good question. Um, it definitely makes for a better story if you just ignore that part and don't look <laughs> into it. Um, but like it's it's. It's kind of crazy that, you know, Mares was the best player in the league last year, yeah. like, definitely. And this year, he's just not yeah. at all. Um, I, it's very strange that those guys didn't take their—I I understand why they didn't. Yeah. But it's it's Vardy and Mares both being fawned over by Arsenal, and they both were like, oh, I'll just stay at Leicester. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think West Ham— of the teams here that if they were to get relegated, it would be the most catastrophic, I would mm-hmm. probably say West Ham, although— Crystal Palace has a lot of money tied up in their players. I I would have to imagine they did deals that involve yeah. relegation elements to their contracts. Well, I guess it depends. Like, what do you do? You mean like catastrophic to the brand or like catastrophic it, to the club? Would it be hardest? Like, I think West Ham, if they get relegated, they have talented players. They'll, they'll just come right they'll back come. up. Crystal Palace, I feel like they could shed a lot of players if they got relegated yeah. and then just sort of be stuck for a while. Well, we were we were pretty confident. I, I don't think anybody saw Swansea dropping like this. We were all mm-hmm. pretty confident that Hull and Sunderland were going to go down. But I don't know. I mean, S- Sunderland's gotten better results. They've won three of their last four. Uh, it's going to be hard for them to stay up. But Moyes is like a pretty... Um, solid manager mm-hmm. you know what I mean you have to expect him to eventually start getting a point here a point there and yeah. just climb out of it. it it does feel like the Moyes Defoe combination is like a match made in heaven to survive relegation you know pack it in defensively and have this you know poacher who will yeah. score out of nowhere um, they were not good for the first like five or six weeks but they've slowly um, I just think that defensively they're actually decent and I think that's enough to keep Sunderland up, ultimately, which is, you know, Swansea has the worst defense in the Premier League. So is that on Bob Bradley, or is that on Swansea? I think it's it's mainly on Swansea, um, but it's also a a little on... I think the way I would put it is that it was kind of an impossible situation for Bob Bradley to come into. Um, I think he probably would have preferred... I mean, you know, it's hard to pass up your first chance at a Premier League job, but you kind of want to come into, like... A slightly more stable situation where you can take like a long-term view of things and yeah. like plan. Yeah. But here it's like you just have to like pull the emergency break. Emergency break, and they might they've kind they've probably been a little worse even since he's gotten there. Yeah. Um, and it's just like it's the same Chelsea Liverpool thing, but in reverse. Like you're not going to score your way out of relegation. This is the hard you know? part. When you get down there, it's like what are you going to do to get out? And then yeah. what you've got to hope for is basically a five-team block at the bottom that you can get out of that five-team block Mm -hmm. because you're never going to get to 12th, you know, but you could maybe get to 16th. Yeah, and the other thing is that you... I feel like I could definitely picture Leicester and West Ham, like, winning three of their next six games, and then they're just out of it, and then it's... It starts starts to shrink. The, The possible outcomes start to shrink. Exactly. I think... I think... Like, the magic is going to run out for Burnley at some point. Um, I hope Sean Dyche doesn't listen to this podcast. I don't think the magic is going to run out for Bournemouth, though. No, I think they're they're actually pretty good. They they 
legitimately outplayed Liverpool in the yeah. game last weekend. And like, that Bournemouth could be somebody next year who I could see like all of their good players getting bought, mm-hmm. or Eddie Howe getting hired by somebody. Yeah, but. I think for now, you know, like that they, they that they have they have everything they need to stay up. Yeah. Let's uh, end the pod by talking quickly about the players you've been most impressed with this season. So let's go with who's a player that you did not expect to be so impressed by the season that you have been so far. Um, I'm gonna be a homer and talk about Liverpool. Jordan Henderson. Yeah. Playing as a deep lying midfielder has just been like legitimately incredible. Like his passing has been. Ridiculous, and I think the be- the good thing about the nice thing about Liverpool's midfield is that they have all the midfielders are comfortable if they get the ball at the top of the box in traffic because they've all sort of played as attacking midfielders in the past, which is like, you know, if N'Golo Conte gets the ball in the top of the box, you're not maybe worried about it. Yeah. But, um, Henderson, you know, is sort of dangerous if he ever makes forward runs, um, and he's been like pretty good defensively and. I think we all expected Emery Chan to be that player this season, but Henderson's like been great. Um, and I, we, I think both of us sort of felt like the writing might have been on the wall that he was on his way out of the club, and now he seems like one of the most important players on the team. Yeah, along the same lines, I would just say that I was pretty prepared for Diego Costa to be playing in China in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, no disrespect, I just didn't think that his head was in the Premier League anymore, and he yeah. just seemed to have gotten himself into a place where any time he stepped on the field, there was like a three to one chance that he was going to get tossed mm-hmm. off of it, or subbed, or hurt, or gotten like distracted. Yeah, I mean, and it still could happen. He just looks unplayable right yeah. now. Like I just don't even know how you stop him. He has that same edge and menace, which I think is a quality that's really hard to quantify in mm-hmm. football, but is something that if you're if you can utilize it right, can be incredibly effective, which yeah. is basically to throw central defenders off their game mm-hmm. um, and have them worry too much about what he's doing rather than Hazard on the wing. But I just can't believe that he... This is like... this. I, I guess I've just seen too many strikers be awesome and then just have their careers be over in 12 months, mm-hmm. uh, a, a.k.a. Fernando Torres. So it's sort of wild to watch Costa just look like he did two years ago. Yeah, and I think... You, you give Costa credit, obviously, because he's a human being and he can control his his fate. Yeah. Or I guess you can't control his fate, but he can control his um, performance on the field. But I think Antonio Conte, we there's so many clips of him losing his mind on the sideline. I feel like he's sort of the perfect manager to channel. He needed uh, somebody almost crazier than he is. Yeah, yeah. And he definitely has one. All right. Let's wrap it up. We're going to try and come back a little bit more frequently, especially after Christmas when mm-hmm. the games are a little bit more meaningful. Until then, thanks, Ryan. Yep. Thank you.